Johnny B Show, 1025 The Bone. Will Coons here, Johnny B at O'Brien's. He should be here checking in, I don't know, 10, 10, 30-ish after his show. He'll be in his fat cave. But right now, it's me solo. But thankfully, TM Pal, our media critic, movie critic, I guess he's more comfortable with, is checking in with us. He's going to tell us about the old movie that he saw. And he's on the line right now. Hey, TM. What's going on, Will? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Just holding it down in here by myself. Nobody around. It feels good and bad at the same time. Yeah, just as long as you don't crash the ship, you're doing good. That's it. That's it. So uh, did you see this this old movie? Yes, I did. Uh, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, who is a very polarizing director for what I say is a pretty impressive resume if you look at it on paper. I mean, the guy directed The Sixth Sense directed Unbreakable, which to this day, and Will, you know I'm a superhero guy, you know, as many of these great Marvel movies that we've gotten, uh, I still think Unbreakable is like one of the best like superhero tales. It's so grounded. It's gritty. It's real. Uh, Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson are awesome in it. I'm a big fan of Signs, too. I mean, he, he spoke that he wrote that movie after he watched 9-11, and I know we just talked about this last weekend about how sometimes in these tragedies, or just, you know, these big events were almost like glued to the television. And that's where he got some of the ideas from signs of them watching this alien invasion, you know, unravel in front of them and watching it on TV. I mean, I still think science has one of the creepiest scenes ever where they're watching the footage on television, on the news, and you just see the alien kind of glance by. I mean, yes. like, like, what would you think if you saw that for real? I mean, I think Joaquin Phoenix is just brilliant in that scene where he's just like freaking out over seeing that. Yeah. Um, but this one's going to be no different. Um, it's going to polarize people. Uh, you know, I laugh at sometimes when people get mad at M. Night Shyamalan. He, he's one of those directors, and, and I know, Will, this drives you nuts, just, not just with movies, just anything, where people make up their mind that they've hated it before they even see it, mm-hmm. you know, just because he's attached. You know, it's like they won't see a movie because this certain actor has a political belief, whether that's right, left, in the middle, whatever, you know, where I'm just like, God, you know. Like, can you just see it first and judge it yourself rather than have this opinion? Yeah, I mean, most artists in general that tend to have a certain it's just I don't know why. It's just a certain leaning tends to control that industry and many industries. But I'm able to totally I go whenever I hear them talk at the Academy Awards, I I roll my eyes, but I go "Eh, whatever. But I can still enjoy their their art. You know, that, that doesn't affect anything. Exactly. Like, I mean, speaking of signs, you know, uh, I'm married to a very nice Jewish girl, uh, and I struggle with the fact that I still do enjoy Mel Gibson movies, and Mel Gibson has said some terrible things over the years. So, yeah, there are times where I'm just like, God, Mel, shut up, you know, because I'm like, I don't want you to ruin Lethal Weapon 2. I love those movies, you know, and they, you know, they just do things. So sometimes it is hard to separate it because they can just be such jerks. And, and we'll talk about something later on that you're interested in talking about concerning how we view certain actors. But with this one, once again, it's all going to depend on how people feel about that signature twist that's always in M. Night Shyamalan's movies. And sometimes I think that people get mad that he tricks them, Will. <laughs> like yeah. like they, the audience almost gets mad that he had a twist, that he tricked them. And uh, as we've seen from the previews, it's about some people that go to – you know, a resort, and they go to a beach. And for whatever reason, they get on this beach with a select group of people, and they can't leave, and they realize very quickly that this beach is aging them, like physically aging them. I mean, the kids are growing up. The adults are getting old. 
you know, just all these different things are coming to the surface that would happen with aging. Mm -hmm. And they can't get away and they can't, you know, escape. And they're just stuck there basically dying at a high rate and aging at a high rate. I'm not spoiling too much. And I will say this. Well, there's a lot to spoil with this movie. I wish I could get into it more and really discuss it. I will tell you. Right now in Rotten Tomatoes, I think it was like at 48%. That doesn't surprise me because I said this will be polarizing. I am in the camp where I dug this movie. Mm. I thought it was interesting. Listen, it does have some flaws, but I thought it was an interesting movie just to observe, to see this weird event unfold, if that makes any sense. If you're going for a big, compelling story, you're probably not going to be satisfied with what you get. It's more of something you watch. It builds these creepy vibes, and you just kind of watch this whole like thing unwind and where it goes to. Uh, I always say, you know, when people say, oh, all movies are the same, like, they put out the same old crap, they're remaking everything. There is some truth to that. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think all remakes are bad, but there is some truth to that. So when it comes to a film director like M. Night Shyamalan, I like that he takes the risk. I would almost applaud the risk in a failure than not, than not even try to risk it. Does that make any sense? Like, at least he tried to give us something different, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I, was, I don't know if you were listening at the beginning of the show, but I was talking about him, and he really peaked his first movie. I don't know if it was his first ever filmmaking experience, but his first, I don't know, theatrical release was Sixth Sense, right? Oh, I mean, huge. And, and that's what I laugh when people hate on them. I'm like, do you realize what he gave us? Like, he, he gave us I See Dead People. Right, I but mean, the, that is a big part of movie history. Yeah, and the point, point being was that he just, that he peaked at his first one. Then everyone was like, oh my God, this movie was so amazing. Let's see what else you got. What have you done for me lately? And then he was Unbreakable next. Unbreakable was good. And what I said at the beginning of the show was not that the movies were particularly bad, but they just weren't as good as the last ones. Even, I know that everybody hates The Happening, I remember watching The Happening, and I didn't hate it. Uh, but I've also, that was a long time ago, so maybe if I rewatched it, I wouldn't feel the same way. I will tell you, I defend M. Night Shyamalan a lot. I really defend him. I defend the village. Like, the village is the one where I say, yeah. oh, did you get mad because he tricked you? Yeah, I like the village. <laughs> I thought, I thought it, was, it was good. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, we can spoil that movie now. I mean, the, the twist they all wanted was for the monsters to be real. And then you realize the monsters aren't real. It was all an act to keep everybody aligned. Oh, and by the way, there's another twist. It's a freaking human experiment, mm -hmm. you know, sitting in a reserve in Philadelphia where they're acting like they're old when it's really current times. Like, I was like, hey, that's kind of neat. But some people were mad about it. And I, I could see them having that same reaction here. Now, I will say this. I mean, Signs was a humongous box office hit. And I still think Signs, let, you know, stands the test of time. Once again, what I spoke of, it's got that Mel Gibson stamp on it where some people just now don't like it. You know, they did like it at one point, but now they don't like it because of certain reasons. I'm still going to say that that movie's awesome. Uh, yeah. This one, you know, the acting, I, I think, is pretty good, especially from Thompson McKenzie and Alex Wolf. Uh, they play <laughs> versions of the kids, if that makes sense, without spoiling too much. Uh, but I think they're really good at it, and it's intense. And the other thing I'll say about it, too, it is rated PG-13. I was lucky enough to screen this at home. And, uh, you know, my daughter's 14. She loves horror movies. I probably let her watch way too much than she should. But we both watched it together. She dug it, too. But the first thing she said to me is, how was that movie PG-13? It really pushes the limits in terms of just kind of gore at times and intensity. I mean, there's a couple of scenes where I was like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe this is PG-13. So I always like it when a filmmaker, you know, 
you know, tests the limits and tries to push it a little bit more, maybe be a little bit edgy, but still keeping it open for all audiences to see if that makes sense. You can make more money that way. I feel like, did they just not curse a lot? I, I, I feel that they would just let gore go through, but if they say the F word or something, oh, no, that's rated R now. So I think that is a little bit of it, because I was thinking that myself, is that there, there wasn't a whole lot of cursing, if that makes sense. There's not a lot of sexual in, innuendo, but there is brief nudity. It's more of a couple of scenes with with what happens on the island that I was like, oh, my God. You know, like when you see certain scenes in movies, you know, almost had to look away for a second. I right. mean, it, it really pushes it. So that angle of it, you know, it does have that horror vibe and that creepy vibe to it. And, and I'm going to be really interested to see how this one performs because, like we talked about, polarizing director. So you're going to have some people that won't want to have anything to do with it. But I think it has gotten like a little bit of buzz. And I used to always tell everybody, I could always tell when a buzz was growing for something, whether it was a big, huge blockbuster or maybe kind of a not small film like this film is, but it, it's not like, you know, your tentpole blockbuster going to make $80 million. But I've had multiple people in our local media reach out to me. It's like, hey, did you see old? How was old? You know, like Kat Nemo texted me right before the show tonight. He's like, dude, how was it? Like some of my friends have reached out. Hey, did you see old? What was it like? So that's when I can tell that there's definitely interest and buzz for the film. Mm. But whether people are show up, I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if you look up Sunday and all of a sudden it, it did make a little bit of money, especially for probably a small film that didn't cost a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you about this, too, because I don't I never see anything. Um, you and Johnny make fun of me all the time for it. But there was a few things that have. I don't know, but it struck my fancy, I guess. One of them I, I talked to you about last week briefly was Val, and the other one was Nicolas Cage's new movie, Pig. Have you seen any of those two? Okay, I've seen them both. Alex Wolf, who's in old, is in Pig as well. Mm. Pig should not, should not be as good as it is, but it's freaking awesome. I, I don't have an explanation for for why it works. All I know is that it really does work. Once again, I will defend Nicolas Cage. I know he's done a lot of crazy stuff and been batty, but once upon a time, that guy was winning Oscars. Oh, he's a great actor, yeah. Huge movies, huge movies like The Rock. And as much as we joke around and make fun of Face Off, yeah, it's a corny, cheesy movie, but we've all seen it multiple times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a movie we all watch, even though how bad it can be if you really look back on it. It's almost like it's so bad it's good. Yeah, but yeah, well, I will say this. Plenty of those things out not there. Not for everyone. Yeah, I, I will tell you, not for everyone. This story about a guy trying to, you know, find his stolen pig because that's what it's about. It's about a truffle hunter. I know, like I said, well, it shouldn't work. None of it should work. But once again, that was a movie that you should not judge and should not just think, oh, it's going to be terrible because it's got Nicolas Cage. Now it's actually really good because it has Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And then yes, I did see Val. Mm. I saw the documentary. Uh. It, I was wrong, too. So it opens up Friday, but it's going to be in limited release. And I'll tell you, well, I Googled right before we got on the phone with us. It looks like the closest place it's playing is Lakewood Ranch in Sarasota. That seems to be the theater that's going to show it. It's going to have a limited release for two weeks, and then it's going to show up on Prime. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's where it will end up being. It will be on Prime the weekend of August 6th. So you'll be able to watch it there. Is it? Uh, uh, that's I'm another one. I'm assuming it's not something that I need to see in theaters, though. I could probably wait the two weeks and watch it on Prime. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the Lakewood Ranch. If you're in that area, it's going to be close to you. That's a little bit of a drive for us, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just how it is. So it will be on Prime soon. 
Um, I found it to be very interesting. I found it to show Val Kilmer in a different light. I didn't realize how funny he was, even though he was in a great you know, spoof movie like Top Secret. And he even kind of had that, like, cocky charm and Top Gun as Iceman. Uh, but I didn't realize how funny he was. And, you know, if you know anything about this documentary, he filmed himself his whole life. I mean, his whole life he filmed himself. It was just this habit he had, his quirk. So he's got, like, all this amazing footage of himself through the years. And you see him, you know, in the ultra highs when he was, you know, the next big thing to the lows. Um, some of it you may think it was his fault. Some of it you think, yeah, maybe, you know, we misjudged him and people had the wrong concept of this guy. And, you know, he, he wasn't aloof. I think it gives a strong case for all those things to happen. But at the end of the day, for a documentary of a very compelling watch, a, you know, very heartfelt watch, a sad watch, maybe even cringeworthy when you kind of see the self-implosion of him at times, because he, he doesn't like make it like a nice, pretty picture portrait of himself at times. It's pretty raw. Uh, but I think that's one of the reasons it works. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I was alive when he was very famous. And I remember, of course, even playing Batman and he's been in some notable roles, but he was famous. Holiday and Tombstone is, I right. think, one of his best roles, if that makes any sense. I mean, obviously, Iceman's a huge role. That's iconic. Yeah. Uh, you know, he did get the role in Batman. I don't think Batman Forever is as bad as people paint it. You know, I think it's just fun. It just takes a different turn and has fun with the character. And I think as a Bruce Wayne, he looked like a Bruce Wayne. But people will say, oh, he's one of the worst. I, I, don't, I, I don't think he was terrible. Uh, but yeah, I, he, you know, he was a, he was, a, he was a big star and especially after the doors. I mean, mm -hmm. if you look at the doors I and mean, he, he just looked just like Jim Morrison, it's insane. Yeah. And I don't know if I ever saw that. And I, he kind of became, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of thought he was almost like a joke, you know? And then I saw this, this documentary that he was doing. I thought, oh, that's so cool that he, you know, filmed himself and then filmed his not demise because he's still doing movies and stuff, but certainly not at the level of fame that he once was. So that's what was so intriguing about it. Yeah, it does show the ups and downs. And just like you said, you had this idea of maybe he was a joke now, you know, and, and, and they kind of explore that. They also explore the health issues where at times it really brings you back to reality of the struggles this guy went through. But at times you can see maybe he was a little narcissistic. He was filming, he was filming himself all the time before we were all filming ourselves all the time. I mean, just think about that. So, Right. It explores a lot of angles. Like I said, it makes a case for a lot of people who had an opinion on Val Kilmer, but it also shows this different side of him that maybe we didn't see and maybe, maybe makes us think, hey, maybe he wasn't such a difficult guy. Maybe they did get it wrong. I hate to break it there, everybody, but we do get it wrong about people sometimes. Sure. It happens a lot, good and bad. We are wrong. I mean, I could point to somebody like Bill Cosby you know, and say, hey, you know, we may have gotten it wrong. But then you point to somebody like Richard Jewell and be like, Hey, we definitely got that. Yeah. Wrong. Oh my God. I forgot about that. I wanted to watch that movie and it totally just passed me by. Totally forgot about it. That was fake news before the fake news was a thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is the truth. And once again, perfect example of people not wanting to see a movie because Clint Eastwood directed it and we know that he's, you know, leans right. I mean, you know, and they thought he had an agenda because it's tax the FBI and, you know, and, you know, the fake news angle of it. Well, I mean, I hate to break it to you, but. Yeah, they, they did get the wrong guy. They did drag his name through the mud. It yeah. was fake news. They were looking for somebody and were using him as a scapegoat. He didn't do anything. They found the guy who did it. So 
whatever your political leanings is. And I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I can be more liberal sometimes. That's just how I am. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, listen, that's the truth. They, they, they set that poor guy up. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, he won a bunch of money from them. Didn't he sue them and get a bunch of money? Yep. Yep. Uh, he, he sued all, you know, one of the organizations, the Atlanta uh, journal constitution, I mean, you know, like they said, they basically were like, he did it. <laughs> the poor guy found the bomb and saved people. Yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. were like, he did it. At the end of the day, you can have whatever opinion you want on that movie. But the reason I like it is it started to propel uh, Paul Walter Hauser up even farther, who I think is just this great actor that is one of these guys that, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but he's not your Hollywood leading man looks type. Sure. But yeah. every time I see him in a movie, I love him. And I think he's got star quality that he stands out even in these small supporting roles, maybe playing these loser types. He looks but like he's he look, great at it and he shines. He looks like Danny McBride in Foot Fist way. <laughs> Danny was carrying the extra weight when he's little. Yeah. That's so crazy. You so you've seen that movie, Will. That's oh, what you've seen. I love I love Foot Fist Way. One of my favorites. I actually went to Sundance with him to see that premiere. That's and awesome. uh you know, it was a very, very small film at the time and and uh but that film paved the way for a lot of things because it, it got everybody's attention from Ben Stiller to Will Ferrell because he did this small movie with his friends. And I still think it's a very small movie. If you look back at it now, I mean, you know, it's, it's made on just a shoestring budget. There's just nothing there to it. It's really just Danny carrying, you know, character that he's created, which he's been known to do. Oh, yes. And, yeah, I, I always look, look back at back on it fondly because – he, you know, he he was doing a lot of good things at the time, but that was definitely, I think, a good catapult for him that got people noticing him, putting him on the radar, leading to bigger roles, whether it was Pineapple Express, Tropic Thunder, all those. Right. Yeah, I I freaking love Foot, and I I thought I watched that movie shortly after it came out. I think it was even before it got released. By didn't Will Ferrell sign him after that, or or his production? Yeah, company? and then they helped distribute it. His company did, and yeah, that is the springboard for Eastbound and Down because Ferrell and them produced that as well in the beginning, and that would not have happened, I don't think, if Foot Fist Way wasn't there first to get everybody's attention. Yeah. So I, lo- I love it. That's the movie you've seen. <laughs> is, I, I'll make I, sure to tell them that. That's probably one of the few <laughs> few movies that I actually have a copy on DVD of. I don't have a DVD player, but it was one of the ones that, and you don't have to tell them this, but it was burned from Kazaa or Napster or something. I forget which one. And yeah, I have a copy of it stashed away somewhere. It's a great film. What's funny is he's told me the stories about it that it, it kind of got passed around like Hollywood, you know, because it was a small film. People really hadn't seen it or, you know, knew anything about it. I mean, this, when I mean a limited release, I'm talking about a limited release, you know? I mean, just like we said, how it's hard to find the Val doc. It was hard to find that movie playing somewhere. Right. So, uh, but, you know, I, I could tell after, you know, the Sundance, because I know it sounds weird. I never really talked about this. So it was weird for me kind of sitting there watching him on the big screen we're at Sundance, you know, I mean, this crazy idea that, you know, he's, he's there pulling this off and I'm in the crowd. Like I wasn't even in the movie. I had no financial interest in the movie. I was there just being a supportive Fred, like I've always been to him, but man, it was just, it was so crazy and nervous just to see him up there and see him perform and then seeing people laugh at it. I was like, Oh, thank God they like him. <laughs> you know, that yeah. was my first thought. Well, he definitely is he. Uh, you never know. You have guys that think you have buddies you think that are funny. You don't know if they're going to end up being a movie star or they're talented. You know, like what he did. So 
No, I, mean, I always said it was just the biggest relief when people are laughing. I was like, oh, thank God they realized what I realized all these years. Yeah, he's got sprinkles on him. He just has a natural, natural ability. He's just looking at him. You, you want to laugh? That's a special thing. That's yeah. A and they're shooting the that. righteous gemstones right now. I mean, he's, oh, awesome. he's, he's been shooting it. Yeah, they're 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 getting through that season. I mean, COVID delayed it. Uh, you know, I know he wanted to go back to work. I know it's like everybody else. They wanted to go back to work. But uh, quite frankly, for anybody to go back to work during COVID, uh, it was it was insanely expensive and hard to do. I mean, I know we talked about this when people were mocking Tom Cruise for, you know, flipping out, you know, in that video that, you know, that he had leaked audio. I was like, dude, I go, he's 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 right. Like, he, we, we got to be good about this. He's literally out there trying to save an industry right. at the time. So, you know, I, once again, people judgmental about Tom Cruise. So automatically when he's yelling and screaming, they, you know, think, oh, bad. But, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, no, he, he's totally right. <laughs> like, it's incredibly hard to do anything these days, especially when that was going on, when we were, like, basically flying blind of how to deal with this thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I guess I guess we got to take a break here. We're running over late. But what do we got uh, coming up next week, Tia? Well, we'll have Jungle Cruise coming next next week. Big Disney movie. Uh, you know, people want to, That's another one. People want to automatically mock it. You know, oh, you know, it's a you know movie based on a Disney ride. Well, once upon a time, there was a movie based on a Disney ride that made a billion dollars, and everybody was a pirate that Halloween. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we can't just rush to judge it. It also has The Rock, who's one of the most bankable movie stars in Hollywood, and Emily Blunted, who's really good. And also, don't overestimate, or I'm sorry, don't underestimate that Disney nostalgia. We know how crazy these people are about their Disney. Oh, yeah. You make a movie about a ride, they're going to show up no matter what. Yep. That's a fact. Well, I can't wait to hear about it. Uh, I, I'm not a huge Disney person, but they definitely do put out some good products. So I'll be looking forward to hearing about that with you next week. TM, where can people find you? You can find me at TM Pal Media across almost social media. But if you try to friend me on my Facebook, I don't friend the strangers. <laughs> same, same. Don't feel bad about that. I learned that lesson one time when I was like, ah, oh, you know, maybe I'll let a couple of men. It took a couple of weird comments under pictures of my kids. I'm like, you're out. Yep, yep. Smart man. <laughs> 